Across the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. Today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Dessert and Charlie's Home Cooking. Today we have another special guest with us. She is the founder of Soaring Heights Financial Services, Ms. Brittany White. How are you? I am well. How are you? Man, I can't complain. It's been a little busy schedule, but like I said, I'm thankful that you had the time to, you know, sit down with me and have a conversation today. Absolutely. Just telling people um, how we actually met, it was a couple of months ago, and uh, it's crazy it's already been two months yes. already, but we met at Jared Jared's event, the Success is My, Success is My Pray Power Conference. Um and that was the first time I met you. The only people I really knew then, I knew Ben, of course, and uh, I knew Ben. I knew um, who else was there? It was me, you, Marcus, Marcus. Yeah, I knew Marcus. Okay. And I knew um, Brandy. Okay. I knew Brandy already as well. So that was my first time meeting um, everybody else there. So we had a good time. Um, thankful for Jared. I actually met Jared. A couple of years ago, he actually did an interview after when his first book came out, Success is My Prey. Okay. And uh, he told me that he was going to write a book. And I was like, man, go for it. And he told me he was going to put together his own conference. So then about a year later, he reached out to me and said that uh, he wanted me to be the host of it. So I was like, man, I would be honored. Man, just let me know what you need from me. And he put it together, brought everybody together, and it was a great event. It so, was. You did amazing. Thank you. Way. I appreciate it. So just re- reflecting, going looking, going back on that event, though, like, now that we had two months to kind of process everything, like, what was your experience from the success is my prey conference? Uh, my experience was definitely um, very liberating. I felt like it was a free atmosphere. I yeah. feel like the room was for everybody who was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was purpose in the room. I felt like there was a lot of power in the room. I definitely feel like there was a lot of opportunity for growth there mm-hmm. from those of us who already established and those who were new. I felt like there were opportunities there for us to learn more about each other, about different industries, different genres of entrepreneurship. I just think it was an all-around good event. I loved it. Absolutely. Likewise. I, mean, I felt like, you know, I love you know having everybody on that panel, but when y'all were speaking, it was like, Y'all were giving information to everybody, but man, those words that y'all were speaking, I felt like y'all were talking directly to me um, because I was like, man, I was going through some stuff, and I was like, man, just the words that y'all were speaking, I was like, man, it was so true, especially, you know, how things can get tough when you're going after your own yeah. your own vision of what you want to do, and um, we got I got some questions. I didn't get a chance to ask everything that I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, at the time, it was just like everything that y'all was speaking was so true. And it felt like it was meant for me. So I was just thankful that I got a chance to, you know, hear all of that information. How did you actually meet Jared, though? I, I didn't get a chance. Jared actually, <laughs> I love Jared's spirit. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But Jared reached out to me um, social media mm-hmm. um, months ago, earlier in the year. And um, sent me a friend request. I was like, Lord, who is this? <laughs> and then when he messaged me, um, he was just like, you know, I want to work with you. I want to collab together. Um, I've been watching your, you know, your uh, entrepreneurial journey. And I want to see if you're interested um, or just being a part of um, the conference. So he was like, I got more details coming. Um, he called me. I was on a business trip. He called me. We talked about it. And then we planned it from there. Yeah, it was big, man. What, what would you say was like your biggest takeaway from, you know, success we're gonna get into your story but i just want to kind of still reflecting on it mm-hmm. like, what would you say was like your biggest takeaway from like overall the event something that you learned or that you just took away from it? i would say my biggest take from the conference would be to always remain teachable mm-hmm. always remain teachable remain coachable 
Always be true to yourself. Know your lane. Stay in it. Thrive in your lane. And be open to taking feedback, good, bad, indifferent. And always just remember who you are and why you started. Absolutely. I think people, the next event that he have in the area, people would definitely want to uh, tune in and come to the event because it was, like I said, it was a special event. And I yeah. Was, I was nervous for him just as much as he was nervous his own self. I was like, really? man, you know, everything is going to turn out well. And like you said, the people that were there were meant to be there. Absolutely. So it was just a perfect time, and it was overall just a great event. So shout out to Jared for putting that event together for everybody. Most definitely. So just want to get into your story now. Who would you say, you know, you say you, you own Soren Heights Financial Service. You are the founders, but overall, like, who is Brittany White? How would Ooh, you describe yourself? Goodness. <laughs> Now, everybody who know me know I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> I am not that person. Um, I would say Brittany White um, is a resilient person, um, which is why amongst Soaring Heights, I have a shoe company, shoe brand called Jabali, right? Mm -hmm. And with Jabali, um, it's Swahili for the per it means a person who is reasonable and the person who takes the lead and is grounded, which I feel like that's me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'm very well grounded, um, very well balanced. I'm a Libra, by the way. Okay. Um, so I'm very well balanced. Um, pretty much a go-getter, ambitious. I come from humble beginnings. Um, I wasn't fed with a silver spoon off a silver platter. Um, both my parents, you know, great parents. They did what they could. However, I knew there was better and more for me growing up. Um, I love numbers. So because I love numbers, um, that's why I started getting into math and as well as accounting as well as budgeting financial all that good stuff that pretty much surface the world the world run off numbers mm -hmm. so if i can contribute in any way um that's pretty much what i decided to do my father's just like me we can look at an equation and solve it just like that um and because of that i decided to start soaring heights financial services um i started the company 2006 i just started dib dibbing and dabbing a little bit um and it's just been established since then so i would say for me i'm just a go-getter Ambitious woman, um, very hungry, um, a person who believes in giving opportunity, mm -hmm. a person who believes in taking risk, um, just grounded and balanced. And I know you said earlier before we start interview, you you are you you're from originally from Augusta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Talk about a little bit about your early childhood and like what was it like growing up? I mean, in the midst of Augusta, I've lived in a couple of different areas, two in the surrounding areas. Mm -hmm. um, my childhood was was pretty dope, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, my parents were good parents. I have two brothers. I'm the only girl and the baby. Um, I'm not going to say I was spoiled, just well taken care of. Um, me and my dad, it's my baby. I love him with my whole heart. My mom, she had more like my sister. Um, but for the most part, for my growing up, um, it was pretty good. I have a lot of life lessons. Um, because I was a daddy's girl, I learned how to be a provider, protector, nurturer, mm -hmm. uh, caterer. Um, and because of that, it just kind of set me up for life. You know, I understand that, you know, you can't always get your way. You got to grind your way through and push your way through. So with my upbringing, like I said, it wasn't a bad upbringing. Just some things that transpired in my life that pushed me to better. Mm -hmm. How would you say, um, I know you say you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Were your, did you were your fam, Did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or did they work traditional nine to fives? Um, my family worked traditional nine to fives. However, I have family members who were I have an aunt, you know, who's a seamstress. My dad, you know, he's into baking cakes and cooking okay. um, in the restaurant industry. I have, you know, my mom, she's very creative. She makes different kind of stuff. I don't know how she come up with it. It come out the air, I guess. Um, I just have some family members who's good at crafting. I have another aunt who's good at crafting. So everybody has something to bring to the table in different ways. So just watching my aunt make 
prom dress, make uh, pageant dresses for me and my dad, you know, just get into the kitchen and start cooking and, you know, selling cakes and baking cakes. My mom, you know, being creative with her own business, kind of just set it up for me to want to get into it too. Did you have any, I know you say you're a daddy's girl, but did you have any kind of mentors or anybody that you look towards as like something like a, I guess like, I get pretty much a mentor, but like somebody that you idolize or something that said when you saw it, like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Well, my idol is going to be God. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what it's gonna be. Um, I just God. I don't idolize people um, mm-hmm. because people can fail you. Um, excuse me. However, when it comes down to people I watched, I would definitely say I've watched um, <laughs> videos, uh, inspirational videos, um, videos that would influence me for better. Um, to be honest. At one point in my life, I probably lived a little reckless, a little bit, you know, behind the we scenes. Are, <laughs> you know, sorry, mom, that. sorry, dad. <laughs> Just found that out. But, you know, I did a whole lot of things in life that I wouldn't say I'm proud of back then, but I'm proud of I did it now because it made me to who I am. Um, but in regards to like a, a influencer or somebody who I watched to help me grow, grow up and mature in those areas, I would definitely say um, God first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I'm just big on my dad. My dad just really, you know, set the foundation for me when it came down to just knowing how to be a better person. He always just instill good morals and values into me. Mm -hmm. So in between, you know, high school and kind of graduating from high school, like, did you already know kind of what you wanted to, like, be growing up or did you kind of like? No, I wanted to be a lawyer. (laughs) I wanted to be a civil rights attorney. I wanted to fight for my people. (laughs) That was me. You know, I wanted to be a civil rights attorney. But I also knew that I was good at creativity. I also knew that I, when I was younger, I used to draw out, because my mom, my aunt is a seamstress and she makes dresses and stuff. My mom's creative. I used to actually have a book. I'm not such a great artist, but I can draw. Um, I used to draw out basically evening gowns. I used to want to have my own evening um, gown brand or whatever when I was younger. So I used to draw out like gowns or whatever. And basically, like one day I'm gonna have my own evening gown line. It's gonna be my line, Brittany mm-hmm. Renee. <laughs> that was me. Um, but then eventually, I was like, you know, I'm gonna be a civil rights attorney. I want, I believe in equality and justice and just being for the people and just making sure. And then watching so many stories on the news, you know, happen from back then up to now, empowers me now. I'm still thinking about going back right. to school to be a lawyer. Yeah. So for me, um, I didn't know at first I wanted to be an attorney, but then I also knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew that. You know, working for somebody else is fine. I don't take it away from nobody. That's how you get it. It's how you get it. However, for me, I knew that I had enough zeal and willpower myself to, and I know I had the brain and the knowledge and the wisdom to work for myself. So I would mm-hmm. say that's the reason why. So what did you, what did you um, go to school at after? I went, um, I was in Augusta, um, Augusta State, um, pretty much uh, Augusta Tech as well. So uh, pretty much Virginia College, all that down in Augusta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say you uh, you were into numbers growing up, and then, of course, now you have a financial services business. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice any kind of, like, financial issues, like, growing up or anything like that that kind of push you towards, you know, getting into the financial services? My mom. <laughs> My mom used to have me trying to figure out numbers for her when we was younger. She was like, you know, she's not that good in math. So she was like, you know, can you figure this out for me? Or how you add this up? I got the payroll in me. Help me figure this out. So I was like, let me figure it out. You know, give me your paperwork. And I remember being younger, just like, okay, let me figure out how I can help my mom with her business. Let me figure mm-hmm. out how I can help her, you know, gain momentum and gain, you know, put a, put together a strategy to help her grow in her business. So when I saw that and she gave me the first couple papers, I was like, you know, I can do this. So that's how I started, really. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when we talk a little about finances, um, mm-hmm. it's such a sensitive topic, especially with our people. You Ooh, know, we yes. get real tight, real fidgety about that. Real tight about it. <laughs> why do Why do you think finances is is an important subject? But why do you think it's a, such a sensitive topic? <laughs> the lack of knowledge. I think mm-hmm. um, our culture, whether it's you know any person of color with a little melanin in the skin, I feel like. Um, the lack of knowledge. I think a lot of things are generational, to be honest. I've mm-hmm. had this conversation all the time. I'm pretty sure people tired of me talking about it. I feel like, you know, prior to the millennials, you have your parents or your grandparents who could be the silent generation. Um, you had when they were silent, they didn't talk about nothing. Mm-hmm. No traumas, no triggers, no nothing. Right. They weren't talking about nothing. Um, and then you have your parents, um, who pretty much like they just want to grind, just work hard. They didn't really care too much about um, the tools, just more so of working. We have the generation after us. Uh, I guess the generation Z. I don't know what it's called. However, yeah, <laughs> some part yeah. of the alphabet, but um, they just a little more. They they have a lot of access to technology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for us, I always say um, our generation is the bridge um, because our parents' generation they didn't have the resources and the tools. I feel like now the generation after us got all the all the technology mm-hmm. and the tools. So I feel like for us. We're the the bonding for it all. So for me, I just feel like at the end of the day, um, we matter. I'm not going to say we matter the most, but I feel like we matter when it comes to turning the tables of finances. Um, We have tools. We have outlets. We have resources. um, We have books. A lot of us are willing to read more. I I remember this saying that talks about, you know, put something in a book. Um, and I guess you'll never teach a a black man or a Mm -hmm. black woman something. If you put it in a book, if you put it in a book, like I love to read. But in my reading, it's more informative, not the 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 lovey dovey stuff. You know, I'm the same. I, I want to yeah. learn about finances and you know how to be a better woman and how mm-hmm. to mature mentally and get yeah. myself together. So yeah, I would say the lack of knowledge, um, the lack of tools, um, lack of resources, and yeah, I would definitely say those would be three reasons. Would you say it's a a myth around finances that um, that we need to to break that? I guess maybe like people would say things like don't use credit cards or credit cards are not good for you. Just pay everything in cash or is there any kind of myth around like money and finances? Um, I mean, everybody has their preferences. I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't believe in debt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we live in a world that, you know, you buy stuff, you got to choose your battle. Either you got good credit or you got bad credit or you got fair credit or if, even with business credit, you got to pick and choose your battles. Um, I don't believe in debt. Um, personally, I try to either, you know, of course, pay, pay with cash, but build my personal credit. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to credit cards, I'm not a fan of credit cards myself personally, just because my thought process: if I gotta buy it on credit, I don't need it. Right. That's me. I can't speak for everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, or I'm a grind and get it to make sure I don't need. It. You know, it just depends on mm-hmm. your preference. Um, I would say. One cliche statement that some people make so much of is uh, more money, more problems. I don't like that. I don't like it because I feel like um, if you have more money and you invest it the right way, you won't have problems. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you have more money and you budget it the right way, you won't have problems. I feel like if you have more money and you know how to um, invest your money the correct way, you won't have problems. Now, you might have problems internally, you know, whether it be mental health or, you know, anything else but outside outside of financial. 
And then the, the saying like scared money don't make money. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, like time, yeah. what exactly does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Like for me, like maybe they're not scared. Maybe they're unequipped. Maybe mm-hmm. they have a lack of knowledge. So I think those those cliches, um, those are the two things I don't really agree with. Just because you have to be mindful of your spending habits. Mm-hmm. But you have to be taught that. And I do believe that a lot of people aren't taught about credit. I really wish, had a book over there, why don't they teach me this in school? Talks about a lot they don't teach us. Listen, <laughs> but listen, they um they don't talk about a lot of things in school. Um, but finances is one I wish they talked about in school. Credit, yeah. like how are you okay? I remember being in school, right? They taught probably third grade, maybe. They taught us like on a on a mock paper of how to write out checks. But did you teach me any background of the check? Like, did you teach me how to manage the money before I write the check? Did you teach me, like, the credit part? Like, why even tell me to write checks? Like, you could teach somebody to write checks and they bounce. Like, teach people good spending habits. Teach them how to manage their money, how to budget their money, how to invest their money. Like, that's the part that matters. And that's the part, you know, if God bless me with children, that I want to be able to instill in my kids. Like, look, I understand that you want to be like everybody else. But in order to be a better person... Credit is great. You know, credit, you can buy a whole lot of different things. You can leverage in life. You can, you know, Mm -hmm. elevate and level up in life. But my thing is, shouldn't you want to have some kind of capital, some kind of money? You want to make sure your money's right. Um, I have this thing now I'm considering about the whole bank situation. I don't have to buy banks no more. I thought they steal your money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I thought they steal your money, you know? I feel like um, if you don't know how to invest your money, I feel like they'll tell you anything. So that's why it's very important to read and to to gain an understanding and be able to comprehend, you know, read the fine lines, the fine print, mm-hmm. you know. So that's my take on that. Yeah, I remember it was what, maybe like a year or two ago. I remember um, like I, I, keep, I keep money and, and my savings just stashed Absolutely. away. And uh, I, was, I was talking to the lady about a credit card or, or a loan or something. And I was like, you know, I said, I, I got the money right now to uh, just pay this loan all the way off. And she was like, no. Don't do that," she said. Um, "Cause the banks, they want to see, they want to show on your credit, they want to show that you're able to, you know, sustain and mm-hmm. be able to make payments." But I'm like, "Man, I got the cash. I'm just ready to, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much the same with you. Was like dead. I don't like having debt. I like to like if I got the money, I like to just pay it off and just get it over with." But the lady, she was like, you know, just keep on making the payments on or whatever. And it shows great payment history. Yeah, it shows great It shows payment. that you're reliable, mm-hmm. that you are um, dependable when it comes to paying it back. And that's why I said it's nothing wrong with that. People try to all, let me tell you, <laughs> people try to always tell the next person how to run their money, how to run their household. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Me and you can live on the same block next door to each other. Same square feet for the house. Same size yard. Same cars. The next person across the street would automatically assume we work at the same place because we got the same things. Mm-hmm. But we could work at two different locations. I could not work, but could have received the inheritance. I could not work and just have good investments. That's true. Yeah. You could be out here busting your hump, tired every nah, day. Fine, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You could be tired every day. But people automatically assume because we do the same type of stuff or live in the same neighborhood that we do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not always true. People 
try to always compare and compete. But it's not about comparing and competing. It's about being able to empower each other to say, hey, Carlos, look, I got $100,000. Can you show me what to do with it? Either you do or you don't. But it's okay with asking. It's too much pride, I think, in our culture when it comes to finances. That's true. Don't nobody want to ask questions. But what's wrong with asking questions? Because for me, like, I'm going to tell you, I have consultations. My consultation turned into a whole appointment. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to do a whole rundown. Um, And my clients can attest to that. Like, it might be a 40-minute consultation, but we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. Because I need you to be educated. Because for me, it's not about a dollar. Because as long as I'm doing my part, the money going to come. I think it's also important to ask people, you know, I guess who who has something, you know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to ask somebody who doesn't have this type of money or who's never been in that situation to, you Mm -hmm. know, know how to invest their money, anything like that. It's right. right to go to the right people who, who've been there before, who've, who've learned these things over time instead of just asking somebody that you kind of like grew up with or somebody that don't know anything about finances at all. Like you said, our parents pretty much, well, mine, I can speak for my parents, like they, uh, basically they was almost like they would just, just uh, raise us to survive, really just work mm-hmm. and pay the bills and everything. And, and they've done a great job. And now they're, Way more uh, stable now. Um, they're, they're doing very well, awesome. but it's like you know, at times, if you don't have those people um, that know anything really about finances, like you said, in our community, we don't really like to talk about it. And then sometimes the people who do have it, you know, our people, they don't. It's like they're saying like they don't want to see you doing better than them. But you all always have to, like you say, empower your people. But it's important, you know, ask the right people yeah. for, to get that information. Yeah, keep your circle open when it comes to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I think too many, and even at, even if you're not an entrepreneur, like always keep. I'm gonna tell you this: keep your boundaries strong, but keep your mindset soft. When I say that, I mean like when it comes to a way of thinking. If you have up these boundaries, these strong walls and guardrails around your mind, it's hard to let anything healthy in. Mm-hmm. So you have to be open and willing to be teachable. I think too many of us, you know, people in general, are stuck on only taking advice from certain people. But you have to keep your, your circle and your options open when it comes to learning. That's you can learn from a stranger. Like, I done been out here feeding the homeless or just walking somewhere down the street and I'm one of the ones who don't mind talking to anybody. And I just feel like, you know, if they're going to hurt me, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight. <laughs> I mean, we're going to put yeah. these hands up. But, you know, for me, um, you got to be able to, I'm going to tell you something. Some of the most, some of these people out here who are homeless aren't people who just on drugs. They just might have fell on hard times. Mm-hmm. They could have been a millionaire, but something happened. They could have had mental health issues, but never was treated. They could have lost everything from the stock market. Like, you just never know what happened. So, you can learn from different kind of people. It doesn't matter. But people look at clothes, skin color, outer appearance, outer outer appearance, where they come from, um, who they cool with. Like, I'm not going to not talk to you because you cool with somebody else. I'm not cool. Like, that don't matter to me. That's that's, that's weird. That's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's childish behavior. Because at some point we have to mature. 
We have to grow up. We got to be open to the possibilities of elevation. Mm -hmm. But if you never take the chance by being open and having a softer mindset when it comes to getting to knowing people, you're going to always stay stagnated and complacent. Absolutely. And just like you said, talking about, you know, judging people by what they wear and all this type of stuff. It made me think about, what was it, two, three weeks ago when that topic of those little Nike shoes that was going yeah. online and people were saying, like, you know, I ain't going to wear these and this mm-hmm. and that. But it's like, man, that stuff don't even matter. It don't matter. even matter. Because my matter. thing is, at the end of the day, I like comfort. Exactly. I'm a, truthfully speaking, I wear Yeezys, but it's for comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for comfort. But at the end of the day, if you come in and you got on some throwback Sacconis or uh, some K-Swiss or some New Balance or whatever, you might be a millionaire because exactly. some people yeah, just have yes. their preferences. Mm-hmm. Some people just like comfortability. You, like everybody, what's comfortable for me could not be comfortable for you. And that's okay. Um, I feel like a lot of people try to flex um, a lot to look good and feel Mainly good. Mainly our, our people. I, and I love our people, but I feel like it's really, we really have that. Especially if we never had anything and then we finally get some money or something. Mm-hmm. Like you see it with celebrities all the time. It's like, and ain't nothing wrong with live, it's nothing wrong with having nice things. Right. Because I'm, I like nice things. That's just what I like. Mm-hmm. However, in the midst of having nice things, Make sure your lifestyle, your heart, and your future add up. You can't, I, I personally feel like you can't invest so much in all this jewelry. This is just my opinion, so don't beat me up. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can't, I feel like it's irrelevant to have all the, these VBSs and, you know, this Cartier and all, all this. But then you haven't set your future up. Or your kids don't have certain knowledge or your kids don't have, you know, or your parents or whomever that you may be taking care of don't have. Like, it's all about prioritizing what's healthy and what's best. And for me, the past is gone, but the future, like, that's something that you can plan for. You can't take back what happened in the past, but you got to be able to invest in your future and your kids' future. Like, you got to build a generational uh, wealth system. You got to build a lineage for your family that's healthy. You got to build, like, you got to cultivate your DNA. You got to say, hey, look, I got to break some generational curses and some generational issues in my family. And if you're the first one in your family to level up, then you're, you're the one who's setting and turn turn the stone and turn the leaf. So Absolutely. set it up for them. Absolutely. I want to ask you about something else about finances. <clears throat> um, How were you as far as, like, you know, growing up? You know, I know you said you had to help your mother with numbers and everything. Like, how were you? In terms of like dealing with your finances, when you first starting out, um, I'm a budgeter. I don't care. I'm gonna tell you. I don't care how much money I got or at what level I I'm at now. Even back then, I've always been good at. Um, my dad used to always say, "I know you got money. I know you got money." Cause I I just I'm just one of those people where I'm not a flashy person. Um, I'm super laid back, very cool, come and collect. Um, but it's because I do believe in you can get it and it can be gone. But the key Mm -hmm. is if it goes away, I know how to get it back because I understand the lessons and how to get it, um, the legal way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, for me, I'm a budgeter. Um, even like from then, like I've been doing this probably about, this has been 16 years, um, for about 10 years. Every December before the next year, 
sometimes November, I literally write down every single bill that I have. And I write down every single month in the year. And if I'm working a nine to five at that that time, I write down the paydays. I get paid. And I write down on the other side, on another list, the due dates of my bills. And to make sure I pay them on time to keep my credit good and established, I would link the due dates up with the paycheck before it's due. Mm-hmm. So that I never miss a payment, which builds creditworthiness. So to this day, even if it's not getting paid every two weeks or if it's salary, you know, whatever, I still do it. Every year, November, December, I sit down, I write down every single, and I know my bills, but I do it every, anyway. It's a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a healthy habit. Um, I write down my bills that I have, any added bills, and that's for businesses, and this is for personal. But I sit down, I write these things down, right? And I put down what I'm willing to spend for the year on everything, miscellaneous stuff. I want to go out and buy me something real nice and fancy, yeah. flashy. I'm going to do that. But I, I learn how to budget is the main thing. You, I, I feel like for me, I've learned how to budget what has created um, good credit, but also you save more money that way. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a budget, I feel like you end up spending money carelessly. Yeah. I remember, like, I, I, I told the story before, man. Like, I was, <clears throat> like, just blowing money, like, my younger yeah. days. In, co- in college, the most money I ever had at one time was maybe, like, three or $4,000. And that came from, like, a refund check. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting that type of money, and I'm, like, 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. I never had that type of money like before. you like a baller. You hear me? That's it. <laughs> I felt like it was taxi. Listen. So, I remember going up. Uh, I posted this picture um, a while back, mm-hmm. um, a couple months back, when my my best friend Ricky got married, and mm-hmm. uh, just posted one of the pictures when we went to Bike Week and we had on these chains and I had I got a, I bought a yellow chain and I bought a white diamond chain, spent like two hundred dollars on each one. Of them. Oh, you was fly. Yeah, just thought I, <laughs> <laughs> just throwing away money though, man. It was just like man, I was like man, I never had this type of money before, and like knowing what I know now, I was like man, I wouldn't even waste money on this type of stuff. But it's just like one of those things when not knowing and just feeling like I had something. Like, yeah. I just wanted to blow that type of money. But like I said, you learn those lessons, you know, as you get older, you know, how to budget your money. Because now, like, man, if I get that type of money now, at one time, I can easily budget that money and make the money stretch and do what I have to do with it. But back then, I was horrible. Like, we going in the club. We we don't go in. The, we go in the skip line. We paying $50, $40 going to the skip line. Like, buying, drink, everything, man. It was just like... I didn't understand the importance of finances because I was just thinking about living in that moment right mm-hmm. then and not thinking like long term, like uh, to set myself up for the future. You know, you're young. When you're younger, you just kind of live life just free. You ain't thinking about nothing. And if you ain't got no bills, you definitely ain't thinking oh, about no nothing. No kids, no. No kids, no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually live in the dream, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happens, but I do believe in the midst of being young, had it not have happened when you were younger, you wouldn't know better now. Right. You know, so I would say it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Had, <laughs> we had a good time in state. We had a lot of good time. Um, I'm going to ask you, though, what, what other type of jobs? Did you work any other kind of traditional nine-to-five jobs before, you know, becoming a full-time entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I worked in telecommunication services, a supervisor. I've worked, um, really, that's it. I mean, I did a lot of things when it comes to helping somebody else with their businesses. But it's always been pretty much the entrepreneurship on the front end. Mm-hmm. 
what kind of skills would you say you took away from, you know, those previous jobs that helped you in entrepreneurship? Um, I would say I took away from those things would be how to manage. Um, when I say manage, I mean being able to manage my people. Like I have six employees right now. Um, if I never learned how to manage, I could definitely not deal with people. Um, I would say that. Um, I'm very detail-oriented. I learned how to be very detail-oriented from those type of jobs. Um, it's taught me how to pay attention to things said and unsaid. <laughs> yep. It's taught me how to make myself uh, more available because um, I had to be flexible. Um, so it teaches me to always be open to being available and being on call. Um, I remember uh, meeting a friend not too long ago, and one thing they said was so profound, and I, I think about it daily now, which was, even with this business, um, I have several, certain hours of operations because I balance out you know, a couple businesses. And one thing they said was they felt like they were more productive when they didn't have a, a boundary cutoff time to close. But as soon as they decided to tell clients, I can't take you right now because I'm closed, they felt they slowed down a little bit in business. Mm. Um, I think that was amazing, yo. I was like, you know what? I think I was on fire when I, when I didn't have like a cutoff time. I would take clients at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, just because I was hungry, just because I love helping people. So I think, what I learned from those previous, you know, places of employment was to <clears throat> keep a zeal, you know, be open, be flexible, um, consider your mental health. You know, a lot of times working for other people, um, you become drained because, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to satisfy and you want to keep your job. Right. Um, but I've learned how to, uh, what is called PCO, prepare to others. I've learned how to take time for myself. Um, important. It's very important. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, mental health is very is is a thing that I think people oftentimes overlook. Um, whether it be you know being uh, whether it's anxiety, uh, depression, um, whether it be simple as being frustrated, whether it's anything else is diagnosed. Um, so from those things, I think that I've learned how to slow down when it when I'm tired. Um, I've just learned from those experiences from working with other people how to take care of Brittany. Um, mind, body, and spirit, how to be teachable, coachable, flexible, um, being open and available to just being uh, detail-oriented. You said something earlier, not too long ago, about, you know, you know, working at another job and, you know, helping by somebody else build their own business. Like, what was they feeling like knowing that, you, you know, you were punching in, working for somebody else? Yet you, you're, you're grateful to have a job, but, like, mm -hmm. what was that feeling like for you knowing that, you're making a living, but at the same time, you're building something for somebody else's family. It made me hungry. Um, it made me hungrier. Um, a lot of people, I don't want to say complain. A lot of people, um, they downplay or people downplay and complain, just to say it, about having to work for someone else. But I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have to be prepared some kind of way. Even with food, you got to prep the food before you cook it. So for me, those things prep me for where I'm at today. Um, I ain't want to just be the bare minimum. I don't believe in bare minimum mentality. Um, I learn what I need to learn. I gain what I need to gain. 
Um, did was it times I quit? Yes, but I quit everyday entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do, but I come back at it because yeah. it's mine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the day, I feel like for me, it just I feel like it prepared me. Um, I love what I do. Like I love my businesses. That's why it's so easy for me to to get up and make it do what it do. Even when I'm off, when I'm closed, I still be I'm still working. Um, it's because I love what I do. But I would never love what I do had I not been prepared or prepped to deal with certain situations in business. So work for somebody else, I knew that I didn't want to do the bare minimum. So I would say, you know, I'm going for the next promotion. So whatever it took to get to the next promotion, I did it. Then to the next promotion. Then to the next promotion. It's from going from hourly to salary. From working for somebody else to making $75,000 a year. Um, clocking in. I was like, well, hell, excuse me, if I can make, if I can make, if I can make $75,000 a year clocking in for somebody else and not even having to use my degree, but using my skill set, then clearly I can take everything that I've learned in this job and come flip that and put it into my own. It's so, so when you, you talk about, you know, working for somebody else, I, I always say it's a blessing and a lesson in everything that you do. And uh, just driving up here, I actually, um, Drove by the uh, the radio station. I used to work right over here at Intercom Radio Station. Oh, really? Like back in 2016, I was out. Of, had graduated. I've been out of college for like two years. And um, like I said, I, I I drove an hour to work. I told this before as well. But you know, just seeing that station over there, it just brought back memories. I, I mean, I used to drive an hour to work. I would get up at sometimes 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning just to drive up here to produce radio shows. Oh, wow. But I used that opportunity. Like I said. I made ten dollars an hour, and by the time I got paid from there, I mean I still had my my other part time job as well. But by the time I got paid from there, I broke even or I was in the hole. But it taught me everything about you know producing a, a show. So I took that experience from there mm-hmm. and turned you to um, use what I'm doing now. But I needed that experience. Like yes. it wasn't even about the money because most people, if they have to drive an hour to work for ten dollars an hour, it's not happening. It ain't gonna happen. Exactly. It's not happening. <laughs> it it's over with. But I was just, you know, hungry for the opportunity, and and um, and I needed that. So I, I was, like I said, I was thankful for. It, but at the same time, I knew I could. It, I wouldn't be able to sustain over time. But mm-hmm. it served its purpose right. in, that, in that moment. Um, I want to ask you something. Now we we spoke about it at the uh, Success is My Prey conference, and we had everybody, I know everybody had, we had like a little time limit, and everybody had to share turns. But now that you have the floor to yourself, I want to ask you again, because um, this this is a topic that's really sensitive. A lot of people go through this. I see it all the time on social media, having a job. But when do you know it's time to jump? When you're tired. When you're mentally, emotionally, physically tired. Um... Just like anything in life, you know when you've had enough of something. Um, when you know that you've envisioned yourself doing more and you have a hard time going in, and like I said then at the conference, when you got an attitude every day and mm-hmm. you calling out every other Friday, every other Tuesday, every other Wednesday, which means you only working four days a week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's time to go. Yeah. Um, I would say you know it's time to jump or time to go. When you just feel like you've had enough, like you can't focus, your thoughts are on being at home or your thoughts are on building your own business. Um, I would say it's time to jump when you feel as if every day is a struggle to come to work. Mm -hmm. When it becomes a struggle and you hate your job, 
and you don't want to be there, and you leaving early every day or calling out every day, it's time to go. It's time to find something that's for you. And the thing, I think the thing is people fear change. They fear change because of the unknown. They don't know what's next. But when my circle of friends and, and partnerships and relationships that I have, I'm big on pouring into them to help them find what they're good at. I think um, when you're tired, you'll know. But I think it's best that you understand your purpose. And when you understand your purpose, you can move on. And I asked you that question, too, because I just had this conversation like two, three days ago with my cousin. I stopped by to see him, and I was um, telling me and him was supposed to work on something. Well, we're going to work on something together. Um, he's a chef, and he, he works for two two really good companies, but he tell me, hey, man, he's like, he said, I'm getting to a point now, man, where he's like, yeah, I'm going in cooking for them and making these nice meals, but he's like, man, I'm, I'm up at night now, like, thinking about, like, what's for me? He's like, I want to do my own thing. So I'm telling them, man, like, you got to, you know, do what you got to do what's best for you. You know, at the same time, these jobs going to always be here. Like, you can always go back and get another yeah, job. Absolutely. Um, But, but bet on yourself, like, because if you don't, man, you're going to end up regretting not taking the opportunity. Because he told me he had an opportunity in, um, to go to Dallas um, to, to be a cook out there. And he passed up on the opportunity at the time. And he's like, man, sometimes I'm thinking, should I have taken that chance of going went out there? I'm like, man. I mean, weigh your options, but at the same time, you still got to do what's best for you because yeah. like, at the end of the day, man, Absolutely. you don't want to look back saying, like, what if I would have took if? this chance? Like, or I should have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, man, you just got to you gotta figure it out. It's, it's tough. Like you said, it's that fear, you know, um, fear of change. You know, you staying in that comfort zone, which is the worst thing. Worst thing. And it's crazy. Even when I give people advice, like I always say, it's, it's funny for me. It's like when I give people advice about, you know, taking a chance and, you know, investing in yourself. I, I always feel like I'm talking to myself as well. Like, man, I'm doing all of this. But for me, um, I'm thankful for the job that I have. Um, but it's getting to a point with me where I know I'm going to have to, like, let it go eventually because now, like, doing what I'm doing now on the road, traveling, shooting interviews, like, my schedule is getting so tight. It's hard for me to be. But that's purpose, though. Mm-hmm. That's purpose in that though, and I ain't mean to cut you off, but that's, that's that's purpose in that because I feel like at the end of the day, if it wasn't meant for you to do what you do, God wouldn't supply the resources, the opportunities, and the schedule that you have. People who are um, who are put in position to walk in their purpose, they walk into opportunities they didn't look for. Like, you know, you doing your thing with the Charlotte Hornets and Mm -hmm. you doing your thing with Cross the Line Podcast. Like, your schedule is full because you're walking in your purpose. Now, you could be busy doing nothing, but you're not. Right. You're busy making an impact. You're busy with walking in your purpose because what you went to school for. And then also an idea, which is, you know, this, what you're doing now. Like, you're, you're operating in your purpose. And we have several purposes. I think people think it's just one purpose in life. But I'm a strong believer that we're put on this earth to fulfill so many purposes. And then once we're completed with those purposes, that's when we die. But that's a whole other kind of conversation. <laughs> but I'm just being honest. So yeah. for me, I feel like you're walking in your purpose. 
mm-hmm. because you're walking in your purpose, the need will be supplied. You won't lack for nothing because you're walking in your purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like I always felt like, you know, when I when I was spoke, because this is actually my second go around with the Hornets. I did it my senior year at Upstate. And um, it was, I covered the Hornets. I covered the Panthers, NASCAR. I did a lot of sporting events. Mm-hmm. And like I tell people, I think one of the best things that happened for me was, you know, you know, I gra- after I graduated, I thought that I was going to literally just be able to go straight to ESPN or Fox Sports. And I think had that happened, it would have been a possibility that I would have got comfortable there. And, you know, you're working for one of these big-time companies like that. People tell you, man, you're working for one of the best companies. You could just stay here and you good. You set. And I think had that happened to me, like I would have been like, you know, over time, been afraid to walk away from one of those mm-hmm. big companies because it's because it is ESPN. You had the tippy top already. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, for me, when I when I graduated, I it, the job opportunity didn't fall in my lap, and it, and it hurt being rejected because it made me at times feel like, am I even worth getting this opportunity? Like, what what am I doing wrong? Like, how come I'm not getting this opportunity? And um, but it, it's been one of the best things for me. And now going back full circle, eight years later. I'm still sitting in the same space with these same people that work for uh, Sports Illustrated or ESPN mm-hmm. or Fox or Charlotte Observer. So when, I, when I'm when i having conversations with them now, they're like, who do you work for? And I tell them, like, I, I work for myself. You know, I've been here before, but this time around, like, nobody gave me opportunity, so I had to create my it. own. Right, right. That's and it, right. Was a, it was a blessing that it happened that way because now – I appreciate it even more than before. Like, mm. I don't have anybody handing me anything. Like, Word. I built this from the ground up. And I'm just like, I started everything that I had with just a laptop. Like I said, I start, I sat in my dad's storage building in the backyard with one laptop. And I just recorded myself talking. Recorded my first episode by myself just for like seven, 15 to 17 minutes. And uh, I didn't like the way I sounded. I was discouraged. But then I just kept on going. And then I just started, you know interviewing local entrepreneurs in our area and like I said at the the conference when I spoke to Ben it just that that conversation just changed my life so I went from local entrepreneurs to traveling across the country on my own platform and now come back to covering the Hornets again so it's like everything in life happens for a reason like you said just about having purpose because I, I don't believe to me I always tell people you know I feel like God didn't just show me that what's possible like just to show me the Hornets and then it's an eight-year hiatus, and he just showed me that for no reason. I feel like it was a, a reason for me to go through that. Absolutely. And then, you know, having to create my own opportunity. Like, everything in life happens for a reason. It's a platform, whether you believe it or not, it's a platform to help you level up on your own business. Um, mm-hmm. You'll be surprised. I feel like maybe some, and it could be a possibility. Sometimes we have to go through growth spurts. Sometimes we have to mature in some areas and grow in some areas. And then once we grow in those areas and mature in those areas, it's a full circle. We come back to it, bigger, better, and established. And then now that you, now this time around, you got your own business, which means that you never know who you can come in contact with that's gonna help you level up across the line podcast. Mm-hmm. Like so, everything happens for a reason, for a purpose. And when I hear like it's crazy because all day today I've been just thinking about like been hitting my spirit like be anxious for nothing. So I've been hearing my spirit all day. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, God, I don't be anxious. No, I'm chilling. (laughs) But um, but because of that, I believe like we don't have to worry. A lot of times we worry because we don't know what's next. But we don't have to worry or be anxious for nothing because I feel like everything that's supposed to happen is gonna happen the way it's supposed to happen. 
And you don't have to worry about how you're going to get there because even if you don't know the way, God has already made a way. That's my thought process. Like, I don't care what it is in life. We worry about things when it's already sorted out. The plan is already there. Like, I'm big on understanding your purpose in life because whether you have a temper tantrum, you mad, you fussing, you upset, what good is it going to do if the plan is already made for you? Absolutely. You got to have confidence in that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, so when when you finally took that leap of faith and you jumped, like, how was that transition for you in the beginning from, you know, working the nine to five to becoming um, a full-time entrepreneur? Like, how was your transition? Easy. I re- I'm very self-aware. My friends be tired of me because I, I be like, I'm just woke. They're like, you just think you woke. I am. <laughs> 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 I just know my purpose. I know that I have some purposes out here. And I just know, you know, don't get me wrong now. I don't mind working nine to five. I don't mind if I got to get out there and get it, I'm going to get it. Um, but for me, I just know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. And that's the most humblest way I can say it. Um, I know who I am and I'm okay and I'm secure with that. So mm-hmm. when it was time, I just did what I had to do. What are some things you say, um, some some skill sets or some traits that one must possess to be an entrepreneur? Patience. Hmm. <laughs> You gotta have patience, resilience, um, being again teachable. I say it all the time, being teachable. Um, I would say being a person who has grace. You have to have grace. You have to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace to be a beginner. Mm-hmm. I feel like oftentimes people hop off the porch too soon. Because of what looks good, what feels good, what sounds good, and what everybody else is doing. But your path is your path for a reason. You have mm-hmm. to give yourself the grace. Give yourself permission to start. That not be in the game so fast. Because with entrepreneurship, you have to go through rebranding a couple different times. If that's your choice. You have to go through some changes in your finances. You, if you're going to hire people, you got to go through that. Like There's always shifts in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But you got to be resilient. You got to have a great sense of tenacity. You got to be able to understand that it's going to be some times where for months you might be making a high amount and some other months you might not make no money at all. Like you have to understand like the balance of entrepreneurship and be able to enjoy what you do. Um, So I would say, you know, having grace, you know, giving yourself grace, give yourself permission to grow. Give yourself permission to accept change. Um, I would say being hungry, of course, you know, being somebody who's ambitious and a go-getter. Um, I would also just say, you know, allowing yourself the opportunity to grow, to evolve, and to be a beginner. When you made the transition to to become an entrepreneur, did your, did your family fully understand, like, what you were trying to do? I'm not a talker. I don't really mm-hmm. tell too much. Um, I'm not secretive. I'm just private. Um, the people that need to know knew, um, my family is very supportive. Like my dad, he's, he's whatever makes you happy, baby girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be that, or it's going to be, I believe in you. Um, my mom, she's going to go with whatever I want to do. She's like, I want to do it, you know, but that's pretty much all I told. Um, my friends, I probably told a, a few, you know, but I'm one that believes in just doing, taking the action versus talking. 
Um, I don't believe in letting everybody in your business because that's how you get discouraged sometimes. Because you may be hoping for one response to give another response, then now you're discouraged. (laughs) So I believe that silent movements are good to start out. Because my thing is, too, what if you tell a lot of people it don't happen? Now you go back and tell it didn't happen. So now you got to unravel the disappointment and deal with rejection and deal with feeling like you're not good enough. And I, trust me, as successful as I am, Carlos, I say this all the time, it's probably not a good thing, but I, I've dealt with imposter syndrome for a long time hmm. where I felt like no matter how great I am, I still have some things I want to accomplish. I'm not accomplished enough. But that's when I've surrounded myself around books and self-development. Um, reading this book now called Authentically Uniquely You by Joyce Myers. Um, it helps a lot because it helped me identify who I am as a person. Um, I think a lot of times um, life can make you feel like you're not worthy of certain things. But mm-hmm. I feel like at some point we have to change the victim mentality and we have to grow up. Um, we have to you know, understand that those around us who are meant for us, such as our, you know, if it's your parents or your friends, um, they're needed. So for me, I would say, you know, I told my, my, I told a few people, but it was more so I moved in silence because I wanted to make sure I was making the best decision for me. I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Like I'm type, like I'm, I'm well, pretty much reserved. Like I told my friends, of course, but I don't really, you know, say a whole lot. Like I'm the type to just go out there and just do it and make it yeah, happen. Absolutely. And then while I'm doing them, like here it is. Like y'all check I don't this out. the porch. Yep. <laughs> y'all check it out. Y'all see yeah. me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm like. <laughs> my, pa- my parents, they are, they've always been supportive. You know, they pretty much, you know, like I said, they were just taught to survive. So they just pretty much want us to, you know, they pretty much want us to like, do what's best for us. Mm-hmm. Take care of ourselves, take care of our kids and everything like that. Um, But I don't think they fully knew what I was doing at the beginning. Um, as far as like, you know, traveling, doing interviews. Mm-hmm. And then I, I put together my first, when I wrote my first book and then I had my my book signing last year, and then they came. Thank you. Um, and then I got up there, and I got emotional. I started crying at my book signing. And then I felt like they kind of finally understood, okay, now he has his own purpose of what he wants to do in life. Um, even, even going back to the Hornets again, like, I didn't really, I didn't tell anybody until, like, it finally, you know, I got confirmation that it was going to actually happen. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, reaching out to them and trying to get, get in contact with them. And then when it finally happened, that's when I finally, you know, put it out there. But... As far as like you know, just saying what I'm going to do, or whatever. Like I, I, I write down my goals and I read that every single day, what I want to do. But you better you know, affirm yourself all the time. I know that's right, but affirm yourself all the time. <laughs> and uh, this the one thing that I, I tell people. I I tell people it's so important to write down your goals. I know Listen. a lot of people don't, but for me, I always write down my goals and I'm always working towards them. So once I look at them, okay, this is what I'm trying to go. This is what I'm trying to do. That's right. And um. Every morning I get up, I write down everything that I'm thankful for. And at the bottom of my paper, every single day, I write down, I will travel the world interviewing the greatest minds and inspire millions of people. I love that. So I, I write that down every single day. So like now that when I travel to these different places, I'm like, man, I'm interviewing all these different people. Look man, at you manifesting. Yeah. So if I tell people it's so important to write down your goals and, yes. and see where you're trying to go and, and because if not, man, what it's like you don't have anything to work towards. You don't see where you're trying to go. That's real. So 
I always stress the importance of that. And like I said, I'm, I'm always the type. I don't like to talk about what I'm doing. I just like to make it happen. But I do, you know, write down my goals to show myself, like, what I'm trying to go. And even once I accomplish things, like, now I feel like, sometimes I still feel like I'm not pushing myself hard enough. Like, man, Listen. it's it's like, man, I still need to keep, because being what I always tell me, say, man, dream big. If your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Woo, listen. So I'm always like, now when I'm accomplishing these things, even with the Hornets, I'm thankful. But I still like, man, now now that I'm here, like, what's next? Like, what's next? I feel like I can still stretch myself and do so much more. But it's still important to you, like you said, give yourself grace, be thankful for where you are. But it's still, you know, push yourself and continue yeah. chasing your dreams and like have a vision. Means you're of hungry. Where, where you're trying to go. That's right. It means you're hungry because you because you are or we are in that place where we want to know what's next or we may have these moments where we feel like we're not doing enough or we need to do more. It's because we're hungry. It's because you're ambitious. If you wasn't ambitious or we wasn't ambitious, we wouldn't talk about, you know, what's next. We wouldn't be nervous. Or you. And my thing is, I feel like humility is one of those things where I feel like um, you develop when you can understand that things could happen for you and not happen for you. Um, being humble is one of the things that I, my father instilled within me um, just because I understand that life happens. I'm gonna be honest, I feel like well, we're in a recession right now. Um, that's my take mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. Um, that's why I feel like you know one, having one stream of income is too close to broke. So because there is a recession out here, I feel like you got to find different avenues and different ways to sustain yourself, mm -hmm. um, to provide for your family, provide for yourself, um, to make sure you're good, um, especially if you're used to a certain amount of money. Um, the market out here is crazy. You know, the stock market crazy. I monitor that mm -hmm. often. Um, you know, housing market is crazy. You know, numbers are up. Interest is high. Um but you got to be able to understand, like, you got to be hungry for more, even if it's passive income. Set yourself up for passive income. Um, you know, set yourself up for investments with friends. Go down there to the tax office. Go down there to the treasurer's office. You know, look into foreclosure. Look into getting um, fourplexes and complexes and duplexes and whatever kind of plex you can see. Right. And invest in it. Come together with your friends and invest in that. Um, you know, just find different avenues to where if life was to happen or hit me hard, can I say I have enough investments to help me sustain? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm it, um even was last week it was a um at a at Costco, the company that like a little phone kiosk that's inside. Mm -hmm. They um, you know, the guys that work there, even the managers, all those guys, they come to work every day. Show them do their job, and then they got a random phone, like a random conference call last week. Sometime <clears throat> told them, and officially at that day, their job was officially over with. So We're in at will state, which means they can fire you for nothing, just because they want to. Mm -hmm. um, South Carolina is an at will state where basically I don't have to have you here if I don't want you here. My thing is, we always talk about leaving our jobs, but what if our job wants us to leave? What you what you got? You got to put yourself in position to say. You know, I got something. 401k is good, but what about Roth accounts? What about IRAs? What about mutual funds? What about stocks? What about um, any other place of investments? What about, you know, some people don't believe in it, but I believe in buying property, um, buying land, um, mm -hmm. just because land is something we all need around here. I mean, that's what the and world is on. more of it. Listen, you hear me? <laughs> so, um, and then for us, you know, property, 
It may not be some one store, but I believe with property, I feel like that's a major uh, way to flip your money. Um, just mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, everybody needs somewhere to stay, even if it's not uh, residential, commercial. You know, business is always growing. I don't care. It was crazy. Is we're going through a recession that I feel, but there's so many new businesses that's popping up out of nowhere. And I feel like too, a lot of places are going online. They're going from having retail stores to just having things online. Mm-hmm. But you know, I feel like for that. You got to also know where to invest your money, but you got to get a mentor. You got to mm-hmm. get a financial advisor, such as myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to get somebody around, get some people around you who can pour into you and don't always be the sprout. Let somebody pour into you too. Mm-hmm. I know I say this is so important. This is the type of information that our community needs. I, mean, I just I just had a conversation at work a couple of days ago with this, uh, this guy at work. He um He's a junior in college, and he was just telling me, you know, man, when he said, when I graduate, my dad, he's going to give me three acres of land just mm-hmm. to build on. I'm like, man, look, to have that type of luxury, like a Listen. lot of times in our community, like we don't have that, that luxury or that, that access to any of that stuff. You're right. So it's like, it's, it's so important for us, you know, to get that education, like you said, get a financial advisor such as yourself that can help us set ourselves up for the future just in case, like in these tough times, like now, if something were to happen, like you said, like what do you have? Like what do you have anything to, you know, fall back on it and protect yourself and your family. That's right. That's right. I want to ask you a few more questions. We'll wrap it up. Like when, when for you, did you feel like you um, found your purpose? 2010. <laughs> um, 2010. Of course, when I started this business in 2006, I knew, I mean, even then it wasn't a business, it was a hobby. Um, something I enjoyed doing. I just mm-hmm. like doing it. Um, I would say I found my purpose when I knew that it became easy for me to do. I feel like anything that's hard, I feel like anything that's forced is not aligned with you anyway. That's mm-hmm. just me. Um, because it was easier for me to do and I didn't mind doing it and it didn't feel like work um, for this particular business, I knew it was purpose for Brittany. Um, I also knew that I had purpose too because of, I went through so many different things in my life that I never spoke about, even with my parents or my friends. And then God started sending, or people start coming around me that needed the lessons from the things that I went through. So that's when I started realizing it was a purpose for me to mentor. I mentor battered women at one time, but I also still mentor young girls from the ages of 13 to 19. Um, because I went through some things when I was younger, um, that I basically dealt with on my own, I felt like it was important for me to reach back out to them younger girls to teach them how to be ladies and how to be, you know, young adults and how to do things, uh, manage money. Like, if I can teach you how to manage your money at 13, 14, 15, and how to leverage your credit, by the time you are 18, 19, coming out of high school, going to college, if you decide to go to college, you should be good. Um, I believe in affirmations. Um, affirming ourselves and affirming our children and affirming the younger generation and even affirming our parents, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I realized my purpose in a couple different things was based off of things I endured. I feel like there's nothing in this world that we go through does not serve a purpose. It all serves a purpose. Yeah, and if we went through it, then it has to be for a purpose and somebody else needs us for that purpose. Absolutely. How do you balance... Um, 
everything. Um, well, I guess the way to, to answer this question, because you have so much on your plate with running uh, multiple businesses, being a mentor, do you think it's a such thing as balance? Yes, I have balance. Mm-hmm. I've learned balance. I didn't always have balance. I've got fussed at several times mm-hmm. by a lot of friends. Um, and my dad, even now, <laughs> it's funny because my dad always be like, don't be just chasing the dollar. You got to get your rest. Yeah. I hear you, Daddy. God, <laughs> I hear you. Um, but I, I, I hear him, but I listen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, um, I've been resting a lot lately. Um, I knew that it was I was tired. My brain couldn't, I couldn't function mentally the way that I knew that I could. Um, I like to do a lot of different things. I'm a pretty down to earth person. I don't mind. I'm real laid back in business. I'm very dominant. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not working, I'm super laid back. Um, so for me, I had to find the balance of rest, mental rest, physical rest, emotional rest. Um, especially considering the fact, you know, wanting to grow. I feel like you can never be, you can never perform or be at your best when you're tired. Mm -hmm. Um, You can never fully grow in the capacity you're supposed to grow in if you're tired because at that point you're worn thin. Um, So I've learned how to create balance with spending time with my family and my friends, um, you know, enjoying like things I like to do such as, you know, sports and hiking and um, going to concerts and games, stuff like that. Like, I've learned how to create balance, but that takes that takes discipline. That takes mm-hmm. discipline because it's so easy to fall subject to when you're ambitious, it's so easy to fall into a a a place of I just want to work. Just tunnel vision. Tunnel yeah. vision. And I've been that person mm-hmm. to where nothing else really mattered. And I think I'm gonna be honest. I think a lot of times a lot of us work so hard and be so stuck in tunnel vision is because we're still in survival mode and because we're using it as a defense mechanism. Mm. But I feel like once you understand and dive deep into the rooted issue of why you're still in survival mode and why you're using a defense mechanism, I feel like then you'll find balance. Absolutely. Like I, I, I have times where I struggle with, with balance. I'll be honest, especially um, early on, you know, when I first started, you know, it just... You know, being on the road so much, traveling, shooting interviews. Even now, um, when I have to go um, cover the Hornets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my son's here with me right now, but then my daughters. Um, actually, was it yesterday? My baby girl, she had a um, a school play, and uh, it was one of those things. I, I really wanted to be there, but, you know, having to go up the road, you know, it's certain times where it's like certain things where I have to, you know, go take care of business. But, you know, kids, they don't really understand those things at the time. Right. But... I make sure, like, when it's their time, it's their time. Like, no business or anything, just focusing on them. But it's just still, like you said, trying to balance everything out for me is probably one of those things still as an um, entrepreneur that I still, you know, try to try to deal with at time. That's one of the toughest things for me personally, you know, trying to deal with that, especially with kids. That's Yeah, I think it's, I'm going to say this. I think it's, I think oftentimes we, as people, we we limit the ways we can be there. As in, 
there's other ways that you can show up and not be present mm -hmm. physically. Um, and this is a conversation I have with other entrepreneurs often. Um, when it comes to kids or, you know, your spouse or your, your mate or your, whoever you may be with, or even just family and friends, um, you may not could be physically present, but I'm big into learning those I really care about, their love languages, so that if their love language is words of affirmation, I'm sure I'm going to send text messages of, of affirmations to them. Um, if their love language is physical touch, I'm going to make sure at some point I'm going to make sure I set up a date with them um, or outing with them to make sure I can embrace them or just go to their house and chill with them. Mm -hmm. um, if it's, you know, quality time, I'm going to set aside. It may not even be an hour. It could be 45 minutes. Just say, let's sit down and just have a bite to eat. You know, I try to learn the love languages of my loved ones, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's children, whether it's my parents, whether it's my brothers or, you know, my entrepreneur friends, because one thing I don't want to do is ever make my, and I've heard this, that's why I'm saying this, make my people feel like they have to make an appointment with me right. just to yeah. spend time with me. Mm -hmm. And I've heard this. And when they said it, I was like, dog. Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? yeah, it's, <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? Right. Yeah, let, me, let me check myself. Mm -hmm. You right. know, let me, let me um, sit down myself mm -hmm. and do some self-reflection and I had to make it a point to say, you know what? Um, you're right. I hear you. And because I hear you, I want to do better because mm -hmm. I value who you are in my life. Um, so even just to you, Carlos, you know, just giving advice from one person to another, like, be mindful that it's more. Don't feel bad, you know, so much about certain things because it's other ways to be present than physical. Mm -hmm. Um you're out here working. It's not like you out here playing 2K or, you know, right. mad, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're not like you at the house, you know, with your foot up and you just eat popcorn and right. you don't want to talk. Um, it's you're out here working because you're trying to establish a better life for you and your family. Mm -hmm. um, they may or may not understand it. Um, I can't remember too much, too much, too far back when I was past five, before five. But every child is different. Every person mm -hmm. is different. So with that being said, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. Absolutely, it's tough, but I I think as they get older and they'll then they'll start understanding. But like right now, like they, I mean, I tell them about what's going on. And I show them pictures of the games and interviews and stuff like that, and they think it's cool. But Aww. you know, with kids, they just they they just want to be with dad. That's yeah. all they want. They all they want to just run around and jump and play. But um. Like I said, that's still one of the toughest things for me. Like I said, I gotta give myself grace. I understand, like I'm, like you said, I'm not out here just playing 2K or just running around or chilling or anything. Like I'm actually right. like putting in the work to to build something so we right. can reap the benefits of what I'm building. What would you say for you was like one of the biggest sacrifices that you had to make? Choosing myself. Um, I have a lot of obligations that I've made that I probably shouldn't have made obligations, but I'm a very uh, thoughtful, considerate person. Um, I don't like to see people struggle or not have. And with me being in a position that I am, um, I have a very unique way of loving on people and nurturing them. Um, 
in the midst of that, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, people sometimes latch on to where you are, whether it's financial or whether it's because you're doing good and you have a title or a status. Um, for me, the sacrifice I had to make was letting go some people I didn't want to let go. Um, choosing myself was the best thing I could have ever did. Um, as a personal um, personal suggestion or a personal choice and decision, and as a business, because people will drive you crazy if you let them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will. Um, and then people have a sense of entitlement because they feel like, you know, you Carlos. You my brother. You my cousin. You my son. You my, you know, you Brittany. You my daughter. You my sister. You my cousin. You my homegirl. But I'm going to be honest. You don't owe nobody nothing. <laughs> you yeah, do. Sure. You don't owe nobody nothing. What you do, what I do, is what we do because we should want to, not feeling pressured or obligated. So for me, it was choosing myself and not and learning not to feel bad for my decisions. Absolutely. What um what advice would you have um for anyone you know that may be going through some of these things or they want to pursue their own dreams? Um, may not be entrepreneurship. It may be entrepreneurship, different type of business or anything. But for somebody that wants to pursue their own dreams, like what advice would you have for them? <clears throat> learn yourself. Learn yourself. Learn. First of all, learn who you are as a person. When I say that, I mean dive deep into your triggers, your traumas your generational DNA. Um, because I feel like once you can understand who you are, it'll make sense as to why you chose the path that you're choosing. Um, I would say always remain open to change. It's okay not to be okay at times, but understand that you have purpose. I would also say... Be open-minded when it comes to forgiving yourself. Because I'm talking broad. I'm not even just talking about entrepreneurship. This is personal and entrepreneurship. Um, Forgive yourself. Love yourself. Understand who you are. Um, Be open to shifting your mindset. You know, you can't always think the same way from the age of a three-year-old to a 30-year-old. You got to shift your mindset at some point. Mm-hmm. Don't always play victim. Understand that, you know, everything didn't happen to you. It happened for you. And it's okay to release the hurt. You know, if someone has hurt you or somebody has did you wrong in business or and in personal, you can only do one of two things. You can go to them and try to make it right. And if they don't want to make it right, let it go. Like, you can only, you can't hold on too much baggage in your personal life and your business life because it becomes too heavy to carry. And it starts mm-hmm. affecting your, your business. It starts affecting your movements. It starts affecting who you are as a parent, who you are as a husband or as a wife, who you are as a person, who you are as a friend. You got to know when enough is enough. And you it's not giving up. It's you're choosing yourself. So I would say, you know, find um, who you are. Um... Be courageous. You know, take the leap of faith. Take risk. Um, understand that everything didn't happen to you. Some things happen for you. Mm-hmm. 
um, change the mindset, be open and available to forgiving, um, and just always, 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 no matter what the world is doing around you, always stay true to yourself and stay in your own lane. Absolutely. Is there anything for you that you would do differently looking back on your journey? Is there anything that you would tell yourself to do differently? Take more risks. Um, I'm a risk taker naturally. But even right now, I'm, I'm doing a few pondering. I'm pondering on um, a couple different avenues of business that I have. Now I've hired a staff of six people with this business and a few more with other business. I'm considering moving to Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, it was Houston. So then you're going to leave us. <laughs> I'm considering oh, moving. Um, this is a consideration. Um, because I feel like, not that I've outgrown the area, I have kind of, I feel, um, I feel like there's more for me, but I'm considering, but I'm also in prayer because I feel like I can move there because of my thought process and get there and it'd be nothing. So it's like, I got to make sure that. I'm even open to taking risks here in Greenville because I network a good bit, but I feel like I can network more. I think because I'm so busy with businesses, you know, I go to a couple events, you know, there's once a month or, you know, chamber of commerce or just social events or whatever. Um, but I think for me, what I would change is and do more of is take more risk um, and not be afraid of tapping into my full potential. I f- I've, when you said that about, you know, relocate, I, I've been battling with that as well because, like you say, sometimes you feel like you might have outgrown a place. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before on here that I've had conversations with people that I actually work with and they, they, they would tell me, you know, it's nothing wrong with with leaving and then coming back home and, and building something. But yeah. I always, it was a part of me I always felt like I wanted to stay home and just build something for the people. But then at times I'm like, man, is it have I outgrown this place? Is it time for me to move on and go somewhere else and you know, and to continue building my own dreams? So that that's something I still battle with. Um, I, I love where I'm from, like I always said, but um, I was like, I don't know if I really want to stay or is it time to? I guess that's one of those things that, I, of course, I always pray. And like I said, I write down my goals. And like I said, I want something here for the people, but at the same time. I still kind of want to see see what else is out there as well. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> one thing I remember seeing and hearing about a lot of time is I think everyone should move out of their hometown at least once to gain I more. Mm-hmm. I agree with that because I ain't going back where I come from. <laughs> I love it. I visit, you know, but that ain't where I'm. That's not there. I'm not there mentally and physically anymore. Um, who to say though? Thought provoking moment. Who to say that with with us wanting to build up the neighborhood or where we're from, that we're our purpose isn't to go into another territory to gain connections, to gain knowledge, to gain experiences, to create opportunities and bring them right back to the house where we're from, mm-hmm. cultivate it there. And use those same connections that we people we met or resources and then build there. 
Like, what if that's not the case? I'm a strong believer that I'm going to cultivate no matter where I'm at. But I'm big on connecting with the right people. Mm-hmm. I don't want attachments. I want connections. Um, so for me, it's more so about going out there to or going anywhere. I can live. I'm a free spirit. I can live in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it don't bother me. Um, but who to say that out of fear or out of complacency or stagnated, being stagnated, that we choose not to move to somewhere else because of what looks good and feel good because of our hometown. But then what if something bigger that's more purposeful is over there and then now you've aborted your purpose? Because what if something's bigger there and meant to be there that's going to build our character or build our pockets or build our purpose and then make it better over here? That's why I'm so open to wherever I'm, I'm supposed to be is where I'm supposed to be. Um, because doors would not open if it wasn't supposed to open. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Now that you said it, I feel like even with me doing all the traveling that I'm doing, because honestly, like, even this year, but in the past, like, majority of the interviews I do, or at least half of them, I'm not even in the area. Like, we out the state. So I feel like I'm still grabbing and taking information and extracting it and bringing it back here. Um, so I'm, I'm doing that now, but it's still part of me like, man, I, don't, I still don't know. Is it is it the right time to, you know, up and move? But to me, kind of like kind of like using a sports analogy, like when LeBron went to Miami and won a championship. But it felt like it meant more for him when he went back home to Cleveland and won it there. To I'm me, still. it felt like it would mean more. It would mean more for me. To build something that's able to sustain if I built it at home. It's kind of like I'm in that dynamic right there. But, you know, I like you said, there's nothing wrong with leaving, relocating, and then you still bringing something back home for the people. But that's one of those things that I still, you know, ponder at times. Like, is it time or do I need to stay here? And, you know, plus family and everything, you know, uh, it's one of the toughest decisions. One of the toughest decisions for me, but I think over time, like I'll, I'll figure it out. Even if I, even if I just go to Charlotte, which is still not far anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm already in that market, working up there with the Hornets anyway, so that still wouldn't be too far. But it's a part of me that still wants to, you know, up and leave at time. But I do love where I'm from. I'm never gonna be one of those people that say get online and just bash my hometown. Like, right. I, don't, I don't understand why people do that type of stuff. <laughs> me neither. Like I'm. Like, regardless how you feel, like, that's still home, regardless. But um, we got to get ready to wrap it up. I got a couple more questions. Um, this is the Cross Line Podcast Self-Investment Tour. Um, and what I like to ask everybody when they come on here is, what does self-investment mean to you? I would say self-investment means for me um, being aware, self-aware, um, people don't understand the meaning behind being self-aware. It's knowing who you are. Um, I would say spending time with yourself, being open and committed to self-care. Um, I would say gaining knowledge, gaining understanding of the things that you want to do in life, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. I would say with self self-investment, it would be more so of taking the time out to make sure that you're good in every aspect. Absolutely. 
Brittany, I want to thank you again for taking the time to sit down with me. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we crossed paths at the conference, man. It was a really good time. Like I said, up there, we didn't have a lot of time to, you know, with everybody on the panel, you know, have a full-blown discussion. So I made sure, like I said, I was keeping my word. I said, I definitely want to have you come on. <laughs> I still got to get some other people on as well, but thank you for taking the time to join us. Absolutely. There is one other thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, I should have asked it earlier when we were talking about, you know, finances and everything and credit. As far as it goes with credit, would you say it's a better thing to have a bad credit or no credit at all? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no credit at all. And I say that because if you have no credit, you can build a credit and make it positive credit. If you got bad credit, you got to undo everything you've done wrong and try to fix it. And that's going to be harder to my thought process because now you got to unravel everything that impacted your credit to be bad. But mm -hmm. if you have no credit, then you're not a risk, a high risk, because you don't have nothing to show that you're a high risk. But if you start building on it, you can teach a person, you know, how to build on, you know, build, build credit. But it's hard to show a person how to change their ways that created bad credit. Absolutely. And if they need any help with their finances or repairing credit or anything, they can come find you. So That's right. please tell them how they can find you online on social media. They can find me on Facebook, Soaring Heights Financial Services. You can find me um, pretty much on Google, Soaring Heights Financial Services. Um, website, Soaring Heights Financial Service. You can book your appointments, consultations, all that good stuff there. Um, I have an office number, 864-527-0422 or personal. Um, but yes, social media. All right. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate you again. Before we get out of here, is it one other word of advice or a word of encouragement that you want to give to the people watching? To be honest, just stay true to yourself. Know your lane. Stay in your path. And always be open to elevation. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Hopefully, everybody that watched this episode of Cross Line Podcast, you enjoyed it. You took a lot of things away from it. So until next time, keep chasing dreams. This is the Cross Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.